You're listening to Get Fed Today, one podcast designed to provide the Christian a hearty Bible study five days a week. While our mission is to showcase a variety of different Bible teachers, if you want to access more content from a particular pastor, simply listen to the end of the episode for additional information. On behalf of the entire team at Get Fed Today, it is our prayer that today's episode encourages your growth in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. A very good morning. Well, I wasn't expecting to be here. I was just mucking out houses. It's such a, a wonderful privilege to be part of this great fraternity called Christianity. Um, you know, uh, nothing against FEMA. Nothing against all these government agencies that are supposed to help us Americans. I think they're doing a fine job, Brownie. Uh, but... Uh, what we see on the ground is Christian boots. Christians are the first ones to respond. Everywhere you go, I'm so proud to be a Christian. I'm so proud that we're, we, we can respond within 48 hours with anything in our country. And, and when we got there to New Jersey, we already had boots on the ground. People from our church were there two days after the event. And, and all they want to do is just basically go, what can we do? We have no resources, but we do, we can help people with their house, just mug things out, take things out. There, there's no one to help them. There's no water. There's no electricity. There's no heat. And whatever we bring in the name of Jesus Christ is so wholesome. It is so worthwhile. And you really experience what the Bible says. It is better to give than to receive and, and you see it you feel it you sense it it's, it's a very tangible emotion and and then and then when they find out because right away from the accent they know you're not from over here and they ask where are you from and i'm from la uh la why would you come all the way from la here and there's that wide door that opens up you really want to know? And I said that there is something in my heart that tells me to come. It is not an institution. It's not an emotion. It's a commandment from God that I cannot stand just home and do nothing. And I come here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then that's the hook. I just leave them alone. And then they feel uncomfortable. You know, oh, I got one of those guys. But then I let my work, my comportment, my attitude, my behavior, my disposition speak louder than words. And then we have now built a bridge. Tell me, where were you at when this happened? And they all want to talk to you. Where were they at and how they reacted, how they responded. See, they have not talked to anyone. There's a medical word called catharsis. Catharsis means the ability to, to express what you're feeling inside. That's a psychological word, catharsis. I think it's called the vomiting of the soul. When you want to talk to somebody, but you cannot find anyone. And then I was wearing a jacket that said clergy. So with big, huge letters, clergy. And so right away they want to talk to you. Because somehow in that moment they're asking for some good news. In fact, that's what I want to share with you this morning. The good news, which means the gospel. 
The gospel means the good news. What is good news? Well, good news. A man went to get his physical because he was feeling a little awkward and they did a blood report and he came back and, and they told him, uh, you have HIV. And he says, how? And the doctor says, I don't know how, but I don't ask. I don't know. It could be infected needle. You've been, or in other words, you've been playing around, but he didn't say that. And he says, but I have not played around. He says, well, you don't know, but you have HIV. Within that moment, his life changed dramatically. Went home and told his wife. And then he brought the children, the grandchildren. And it was a very, very sad, desperate situation. His attitude changed. His behavior changed. His outlook in life changed. He removed himself emotionally from everyone. And basically, though he was not classified as dying, basically, in his own mind, in his own heart, in his own behavior, he was already dead. And, and, and there was no joy. There was no pizzazz. There was no gusto in his life. And two days later, the doctor called him back then, and the doctor said, we asked your, 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 your deepest forgiveness, but there was a mistake in the lab. And that was not you. How do you think he reacted? Do you think he said, oh, what a trip. Oh. So it's, it wasn't me? Are you kidding me? He just said, are you kidding me? It's not me. And the moment he said, no, I have good news for you. You're, you're very healthy. He was a new man. You see, he died psychologically. He died emotionally. And the doctor had good news for him. In the same way, the analogy for many today, the good news is the gospel. The gospel's good news. That death is not the end. Death is only the beginning. We are only passing through. As a Christian, we are sojourners. We are only aliens, whether you like it or not. We're aliens in this world. We're only passing through. This is not our life. People ask me at times, Pancho, would you ever consider getting a wig or toupee? I said, absolutely not. No rugs, drugs, or plugs for me. Are you kidding me? I am proud of how old I am. God has kept me under his wing, under his grace, under his love. Are you kidding me? I'm not looking forward for death. But when it comes, when death smiles, I'm going to smile back. I'm not afraid. Why? Because I know where I'm going. Let's have a word of prayer. Our gracious Father and Lord and Savior and Master and Friend, lover of our souls and our, our great emancipator, we thank you, Father, for this morning. We pray, Father, for each other. We pray for the person to our left and to our right. We pray for the person behind us, if any, or the person in front of us, or those that will be hearing this message via a DVD or or CD. We ask you, Father, that you would speak to them, 
that your words coming out of my mouth will be like a conduit straight from your throne of grace and your word. Lord, delete anything that is not of you. Delete any trash that I may say, Lord. But I pray, Lord, that anything that comes from your word, from your throne, a word of truth, a nugget of truth, that it can be embossed in our hearts, that will be sufficient to transform our lives even today. We pray, Father, that you may help us, that you may be the lifter of our head. As we pray for our children and their children, we pray, Father, for each person that's here and that we know they're in the hospital right now. Those, Father, who are in hospice, I ask in the name of Jesus that you comfort them now. We ask you, Father, that you may bless your holy word, that, Lord, that as a conduit of your grace and goodness, that you make me transparent and invisible, and the Lord, that your word will have an impact on our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you turn with me to Galatians chapter 1? Galatians chapter 1. I want to just basically take chapter 1, verses 6 to 24. Let me give you a little synopsis of what I'm speaking about today. This is a, a book where Paul is correcting. This is a, like a disciplinary book. It's called an apologetic book because, you see, in Galatia, the Christians in that church, when Paul visited Galatia, they were all fired up. They, they were Christian, man. They were rejoicing, and they had liberty. And how wonderful to be in, in this beautiful city where American liberty started. Played a big part in our liberty from the oppression from England. And, and I, anyway, uh, the Galatians had been set free to the stupidity of idolatry. Foolish idols, as Paul calls them. So when the gospel came, the good news, they were all fired up. They were sanctified. They were justified. They were washed. They were forgiven. A new life has started. And a transformation change. You see, I am the first of my entire family to become a Christian. I was a black sheep of the family. My whole family would shake their head, and my brothers and sisters will say, you're going to kill mom. You're going to kill mom. You're the one. And I was always the one. And I didn't like that growing up. And they were right. I was more in trouble with the police. I was more in trouble at school. I hung around with the wrong crowd. Start going to the lovings at the age of 13, 14 years old. It's crazy, crazy California lifestyle. And I was killing my mom because the cops would come in. And please forgive me, I don't want to deviate from what I'm saying. Is that I was the first one to come to Christ. They couldn't believe, my mom couldn't believe it. That my whole life had been transformed. She just thought I was going through a phase. I had my home room in my house. It was all black, I remember. Black. Painted black. I had quadraphonic, meaning I got four speak, one speaker in each corner. And I had Jimi Hendrix on. 
move over, Rover, and let Jimmy take over. <laughs> Loud. When I became a Christian, I walk into my room, and I realize, and I ask myself, why is this room all black? Never asked that question before. But all of a sudden, I'm thinking, why? Why am I drinking too much? Why? Why am I snorting coke? Why? Never had that. Oh, later on, I realized that God changes your judicial reasoning. God changes everything. It's a worldview, you see. It's like, it's like this is my worldview. And my worldview can see only so much. The moment I received the Lord Jesus Christ, it's like Jesus Christ gave me some new glasses. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, and my worldview was transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I remember going to a store called Standard Paints. And I wanted to clean and change my room to a different color. And I said, I want to paint my room. What color? I said, give me some white paint. And she says, what specifically paint? I said, white. She says, well, we have antique white, Navajo white, vanilla white. I said, just give me white. So it was a hospital color white. And I painted my whole room neat, clean, everything. Everything was cleaned up. I cleaned my mom's house. I did everything I was supposed to do. And when she came out of work and she saw the house and she was cleaned up, I made food for her and she was shocked. She said, something's wrong with you? No, I'm okay, Mom. I'm okay. My brothers, my sisters, my friends, my colleagues at work, they couldn't believe what was going on. And they would ask me, what happened to you? And honestly, I couldn't connect the dots. All I knew is that I went to church two, two, three weeks ago at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, and I stood up and received the Lord. That's all I did. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. There was no heebie-jeebie. There was no, no magical power. It was just pure, simply come forward and receive the Lord. This is why I'm passionate that even before the, the clock beats me, I, I, before the clock beats me, I'm going to make sure that I provide an invitation. Because it might be one of you, one of you. Maybe there's nobody. But I want to be content after this first service that I can go between service. And I said, Lord, their blood is not on my hands. I told them. I told them that today they can be transformed. You don't have to live like a cockroach. You don't have to, not even living, but existing. I have good news for you. God loves you. And God desires to have sweet fellowship with you, to forgive you of all your sins, to clean your heart, and to clean your conscience. Where else can you go to have your conscience clean? I dare you to go to any drugstore and go to the pharmacist and say, do you have anything to clean my conscience? They'll look at you with a funny look. There's nothing But the Bible tells me that the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse our conscience. And that's what led me to the Lord. The transformation, the good news. What was happening in in Galatia after Paul left is that there were some Judaizers. For many people, if you're taking notes, a Judaizer was a Jewish person who would want to bring legalism to the Christian world. 
In other words, as today we have legalism today. There's some, there's some tent, there's some Christian mm, churches or denominations that tell you that you should not eat pork. You should not drink coffee. That you should not, ladies should not wear pants but dresses. The ladies should not wear makeup. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I won't go to that church. It'll be like the like the night of the living dead. Oh, no, I have I have four girls. I have my wife. I have five ladies. It looks like we're gonna do uh, we're gonna rob somebody because they have so much makeup and so. so. Ladies, you know that. Service starts. What time service starts, you say? Eight, right? So you probably got up at 5.45. (laughs) For what? To put on your face. And there are some churches that are so legalistic. And the Judaizers were coming right after Paul. Will Paul bring the emancipation? Paul will bring the good news. And the Judaizers were always behind them to bring legalism and to choke the people from their freedom. And so thus here in Galatians, here the theme is basically instead of giving thanks to God for his readers, Paul the apostle, he begins to basically express an amazing at the defection of the grace of God. After he gives them the greeting, he really comes down heavy on them. In fact, in chapter 3, he says, Oh, you foolish Galatians! He says, what happened, dummies? Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? In other words, if I can bring it up in the vernacular, it's like, dude, who tripped you out? Who messed you up? I left you healthy with a healthy doctrine. Paul, in writing to Titus, He speaks so much about healthy doctrine. Why is healthy doctrine so important? Because a healthy doctrine will produce healthy lives. A wrong doctrine can produce legalism. And I have seen that legalism in California. And I'm sure there is legalism here in this region of our nation also. Legalism. Don't, 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 don't. We were talking back, I was talking to Pastor Joe because his wife Judy is from California. And, and, and so she knows what this Mexican sausage is called. It's called chorizo. And, 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 and chorizo, you know, people say, you know, don't eat chorizo. Because, you know, it, it's, it's bad for you. And I agree. I don't eat it, not because it's legalism. I don't eat it because I'm over 60. <laughs> Plus, I know what's in it. <laughs> if you like chorizo and you love chorizo, just don't read the contents and the ingredients. <laughs> Stay away from them. Just enjoy it in the name of Jesus. <laughs> but legalism, they come in, they bring the legalism. Others start telling us, they come to our church on Sunday... And they come in, they, they, they creep into our church on Sunday to talk to our people that we're worshiping on the wrong day. That we should be worshiping on Saturday. 
And so the confusion. So Paul the apostle, he begins to, to share with them. It says in verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not for men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. So obviously this was to be a circular letter to be shared by other churches. Grace to you in peace from the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The first thing he says, Paul, an apostle. In other, in other letters, he writes, he says, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. In another epistle, he says, Paul, a servant. A slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not here. Not here. Here he gives his credential. I'm an apostle. Though not in the sense of the other apostles. And that was the accusation against him. Because they felt. The critics of Paul felt that. That Paul cannot be an apostle. Because he didn't have the qualifications. He didn't walk with Jesus. He did not watch the, the crucifixion. He, didn't, he did not watch the burial, the resurrection. And he didn't watch the ascension or the day of Pentecost. Therefore, thereby, you are disqualified from being an apostle. He says, I am an apostle. I said, but, but, but I was not designated to become an apostle by men. The agency of men, the office of men, man had nothing to do with it. I'm an apostle appointed by God himself. Notice verse 11 of chapter 1. But I make known to you, my brethren, that the gospel, the good news which was preached by me, is not according to man. For neither I received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when exactly did that happen? Well, we don't know, but it, it could have happened in his conversion, Acts chapter 9. Or it could have happened in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, 23, where Jesus appeared to him. Or it could have been when Ananias, he, he laid his hands over him. And instead of calling him Saul, he called him brother Saul. You're part of us. We don't know. Or perhaps when he went to Arabia for three years and there God spoke to him. We don't know when, but he says, my apostleship, he says, it's not like Peter. It's not like James. It's not like Bartholomew. It's not like them. He says, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle, but I am what I am by the grace of God. And I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. So he puts his credentials here because he, you see, he's defending and protecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. So after all the, the, the salutation, now here comes the rebuke. Verse 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to what kind of gospel? A different gospel. What kind of different gospel? Well, like today, we have social gospel. We have prosperity gospel. We have the feel-good gospel. We got gospel music. We got gospel fest. And so what are we speaking about? And so he says, I, I, I marvel. 
That's an old English word. You, you never use that word marvel. I know you haven't. In the last week, you have not used that word. You don't, you don't say, wow, I marvel that we have the sun. It's just a word. It's an English word that basically means I trip out. That's what it means. I'm amazed. I cannot believe it. Are you kidding me? That's what he's saying. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He says, you're turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you, and they want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now listen to verse 8. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, oh Lord, are there, I, I, I mean, if you read this in, in, in the state of Utah, I wonder, what would they say? But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be a curse. Let him be damned. Wow. This is a very, I mean, Paul here, he's straight up. He does not unequivocally, he doesn't mince any words. He says it's straight up. Even if I, even if we, even if an angel from heaven comes and gives you a different gospel other than the one I taught you, let him be cursed. Oh. Verse 9. As we have said before, so now I say it again. So obviously he has been repeating this over and over. If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be a curse. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. In other words, I'm not going to please you. I'm not going to accommodate you. I'm not going to pat you on the back. I'm not going to be a chin chucker. I said, I'm going to tell you straight up. You've been listening to wrong people. Someone is changing channels and frequencies in your soul. Someone's tweaking you. Someone's messing with you. You had liberty. You had the power to have liberty and emancipation. And all of a sudden you're becoming legalistic. And that's exactly what happened to me. You see, I got saved at Costa Mesa. In Costa Mesa, it was happening in 1975. You know, when my girlfriend invited me to go to a concert, she goes, let's go to a concert. And I wasn't a Christian. I said, a concert? Yeah, is it free? Yeah, let's go. It's a rock concert. But she didn't tell me what kind of rock. She's a rock, Jesus. So I sat there. And the only novelty is that I'm a percussionist, not professional, but I'm a conga player. And so what really intrigued me is that, is, that, is, that, is that a white guy was playing congas. <laughs> and his name is Ralph McDougall from a group called One Way. And Homeboy was good. He was playing. I said, that can't be. That's bizarre. <laughs> that white boy doesn't have rhythm. <laughs> but man, he was banging. Boom, bah, boom, bah, boom, bah. Uh, mesmerized. 
And then I thought, okay, since you're here, when I got to the parking lot, I said, I'm going to scare them because the way I looked, I look all trampy. If you, you have to imagine this, okay? I had hair like this. <laughs> like Jimmy, I mean, like you ought to see it. Thank you for go to our website. They have a picture there that, I, that the IT put it in there. My wife says, take it out, take it out. But it's there to remind me. And if you look at that picture, you look at my eyes, and you look at my eyes, and you see how sad they are. Because I was under mescaline when I took that picture. If you don't know what mescaline is, please don't worry about it. Don't even Google it. Don't even worry about it. And I saw that picture, and I walked in. And then I realized that even the speaker was worse dressed than I was. He was all messed up himself. Everybody was messed up. And I went and I heard the message. And I went and I realized this is good news. I've never heard anything like this. It's amazing. So we kept going. I got saved. We kept going. After a while, my little Volkswagen couldn't make it all the way from East L.A. to Costa Mesa. You see, East L.A. and O.C., Orange County, it's a big difference back then, even now. So we decided to go to a small little church, which I now call... Um, the church of the first refrigeration. I didn't know it was a denominational church. And there it became so legalistic. You cannot listen to secular music. I didn't even know what secular meant. Is that country western music? I don't know what even I didn't even know what that meant. I got away from all my music, but I still love jazz. It was instrumental. So how ungodly can that be? And then when someone showed me Psalm 150, praise the Lord with timbrel, praise the Lord with flute, praise the Lord with drums, praise the Lord with trumpets. I said, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Are we reading the same Bible? And all we had is just the organ lady. I mean, it was like. But I was born again. I thought, this is cool. This is all right. And and we're in the book of Matthew for five years. Never knew about Sephaniah. Never knew about Hosea. Never knew about Amos. All I knew was that he made cookies. But never. that's it. And I left when my wife went to a a choir retreat. I backslid for 24 hours. And I realized I'm a Christian. I don't know how to backslide. I don't even know how to act in the dark anymore. And I got out. And then someone told me there's a Calvary Chapel in West Covina, which happened to be Pastor Rory's church. So I went out there, and it was the same thing like Costa Mesa. The same teaching, the same way, except with a heavy-duty accent, (laughs) which rolls in denial. He said he doesn't have one. (laughs) I have one, too. I know it. I admit it. You know, I say, hey, Ro, you have an accent. No, I don't, eh? I don't have one, man. (laughs) Okay. Liar. (laughs) And so that's where I got my, my roots, and I got grounded. That's when I began to look at what? Zephaniah? They're called minor prophets? 
And I begin to read what would I call the panoramic enchilada of the whole Bible. Because to understand and appreciate the gospel of Jesus Christ, you must understand the Hebrew scriptures. This is why we are Judeo-Christian nation. Because when you look at the Hebrew scriptures, every scripture in the Old Testament, you don't see it. But, 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 but there's an arrow that says, keep going after this book. And after you finish, until you get to the last book of Malachi, he says, soon and very soon. And then we have 400 years of silence, not historically, but biblically. For 400 years between the Old Testament and New Testament, God did not speak to anyone God did not use a prophetess, a prophet. There was no apparition. There was no king. God did not speak for 400 years. Think about 400 years in relation to our nation. We're not even 300 years old. And God did not speak for 400 years until the book of Matthew begins. An angel by the name of Gabriel, the same angel that appeared to Daniel, appeared to some old man, Zacharias. And thus, the fulfillment of the scriptures. Thirty years later, his own cousin, John the Baptist, a crazy guy, crazy. He lo- I can see him now, he's crazy. It, it, they probably look like from, from, from Maine, Maine, or... Long <laughs> here, baptizing people. And then one day, as he's baptizing, they came and asked him, Who are you, man? Me? I'm just a voice crying out in the wilderness. There, word for word, fulfilling the scripture of Isaiah the prophet. And then one day, he says, Behold. The word behold is an English word that means pay attention. Freeze, pay attention, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It was Jesus at the age of 30 years old. And thus the New Testament is what, is what the Old Testament prophets used to say that one day he would come. See, John the Baptist is an Old Testament prophet, but he's featured in the New Testament. But he's an Old Testament prophet. And John the Baptist finally fulfilled that. He says, I must decrease and he must increase. That's him. And so Jesus came. At one point, Jesus told the disciples, he says, in a very, in a very private way, he told them, listen, he says, he says, there are those of old in the Old Testament who wish to see what you are seeing. There are those in the Old Testament They wish they can hear what your ears are hearing today. Because the apostles had a first row to the activities of the program of God entry into this world. What you and I call the Christmas story. The good news through Jesus Christ. They couldn't get it. They couldn't understand it until the Holy Spirit came upon them in the book of Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2. And the Holy Spirit came and then they understood what Jesus was speaking about because Jesus promised them. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will make known to you things that you still do not know. And that's how 
you and I as believers, supernaturally the Holy Spirit came upon us. When we say, yes, Lord, I surrender to you. I accept you as Lord and Savior. I am a sinner. I believe you're the son of the living God. I believe that you rose from the dead. I believe that you are the son of God. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. And I ask you to come into my heart. Supernaturally, we don't see it. We don't feel it. Yes, there are some, there are some who do feel it. And I see it when people come to Christ. There are people who fall down. They cry. Because they tell me later on that when they receive the Lord, there's something heavy left from their bosom. Something that was choking them. Something that was suffocating them. Just left them. That didn't happen to me. But it happens to other people. And they begin to cry. He says, I've never felt so relieved. I've never felt so so released from this bondage that I've been carrying all my life. And I've seen it with my own eyes. And that's what the Galatians experience. And so as he continues, he says, in verse 11, he says, But I make known to you, my brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For neither I received it from man, nor was taught by man, but it came to the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, For you have... For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I may preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately convert with flesh and blood. What is he saying? Flesh and blood. He says, when, when, when God called me, I did not have a conference. I did not have counsel with any other human agency. In fact, he says, I didn't even go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you indeed before God, I do not lie. Afterwards, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by faith to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but they were hearing only. He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they glorify God. And so the gospel changes people's life. And the people here were defecting. They were discerning and abandoning the grace of God. God had called the Galatians by his grace. And they were emancipated. They were saved from their sins. But now they were moving from grace to law. From freedom to legalism. From liberty to bondage. Not only deserting but perverting the gospel. In 2 Corinthians, which is another defending letter of the gospel and the apostleship. He closes his letter in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3. It says, don't be deceived by the craftiness of Satan. So that your minds may not be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. Because there are those who preach another Jesus whom we have not preached. Or receiving a different spirit which you have not received. Or a different gospel which you have not accepted. You see, the gospel of grace always leads to peace. But here the believers were deserting. And therefore, they, as they were leaving the good news about their salvation, 
these Judaizers will take in advantage of them. And the grace of God was basically is the theme of this letter. That the grace of God is so powerful because it leads to peace. Someone said, a man does not become a Christian merely by agreeing to a set of doctrines. He becomes a Christian by submitting to Christ and trusting him. God had called the Galatians by his grace and they were saved from their sins. In John chapter 6, 28, we are told, what should we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus simply answered to, the, to that answer. This is the work of God that you believe on him whom God sent. That's it. See, I come from a religious background that is full of works. I have to do this. I have to go to confession. I have to go talk to a guy behind a booth that he, I can't see him, but he can see me. And nowadays, he's probably worse than I am. And after I confess my sins, he gives me penance. That I have to be repeating prayers. And then I can only that take confession. I mean, take communion. But I cannot drink of the cup. Only they get to get the shot of the wine, not us. You notice that. It's the only, it's the only homeboy who takes it. See, it's not enough for all of you. It's only for me. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking trash. And it's just a set of doctrines or rules and legalism. God has come to set you free. That's it. Emancipation. The forgiveness of your sins. To have your heart open. Jesus comes in. Takes your heart out. Takes all the impurities. Takes all the insanity. Takes everything out. And he pours it over with his own blood that was shed at Calvary. He somehow puts it back into your heart. And like the man who received the bad news at first, and he got the good news, that's the good news. I'm not going to ask you to do what I've done. I have to walk, but time not on my side. You don't have to walk, but as an act of your faith, I ask you this morning, if you would like to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, you have never received him if you would like to receive the Lord today. Now, if you're a Christian, my message to you this morning, don't fall trapped to a weird gospel. Stick to the gospel. It's very simple. A gospel, healthy gospel, the good news. But for those of you that perhaps strayed in here, you came to church, you're looking for something. Nobody gets up this early to go to church. Come on. Unless there's a game that you want to watch later on. But if you're a seeker, let me tell you something. I, I got good news for you. The Bible says that every seeker finds. If you came here seeking, I don't know what you're seeking. But the answer is Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be horrible for me to tell you if you come to California, hey, I'm going to take you to Disneyland. And I take you to Disneyland, but we won't go inside. I just take you there. <laughs> That's Disneyland. That's messed up. But it's the same thing right now. Just to tell you about salvation. He said, okay, that's it. 
And that's it. Those of you who are not Christians, you know, good luck. No, 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 no. I would like for you to just ask God to come into your heart today on this date to be transformed. If that is you and you would like to receive Christ and you would like me to pray for you, don't look at your husband, your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your fiance, or the hookup. If you're shacking up, oh, that's a wrong word, excuse me, cohabitating. (laughs) Don't look at them. God is speaking to you. Today, the madness will stop. Today, your life will experience an incredible alteration. For some of you, like me, you may experience mental hygiene. (laughs) For some of you, finally, you have found what you've been looking for. If that is you and you would like to receive the Lord and you would like me to pray for you, would you just stand to your feet? Whoever you are, just stand. Just stand if you'd like to receive the Lord. Amen. Love you. Remain standing. Anybody else? God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Love you. Remain standing. Anybody else quickly? I got 30 seconds left. 30 seconds from eternity. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. For those of you that are standing right now, for those of you, please repeat the simple prayer after me, either out loud, because it makes us very happy when we hear you. But you don't have to. God hears you if you want to do it silently. But would you please repeat the simple prayer? And afterwards, I believe they have some Bibles for you, either to the left or to my right. Left. Oh, the right. My right to your left. And there's some people who would like to give you a Bible and speak with you for five minutes. So for now, would you please repeat this simple prayer after me? Dear Jesus, please forgive me. I'm a sinner. And I repent of all my sin. I believe that you are the son of God. And that you rose from the dead. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me your daughter, your son. Make me a new person with a new heart, with a new mind, and a clean conscience in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Get Fed Today. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Poncho Juarez. If you enjoy the message, you can access more of Pastor Poncho's teaching ministry by visiting thearcmontebello.com.